0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. So good that we're here, gathered in God's name to worship him, to bring glory to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords, the one who is sovereign, the one who knows about everything that's happening. He knows the big picture. He knows the details of our lives, of everything that's happening in our world today. And not just today, but imagine, just think about this. God, who knows everything that's ever happened in the world in minuscule detail imagine the history books that God would write every detail and he knows everything that lies in the future and so because as we said, I think it was last week because he lives, we can face tomorrow because he lives, we have hope because he lives, we can put our trust in him and worship him and just come into his presence day by day and I hope that we do that day by day, just come into God's presence and experience in his presence experiencing his grace and we're here today to worship him. We're here just to bring glory to, to our God, to the name of Jesus in this place today. We will take communion today, just for those who are joining online, so you get a bit of time to be prepared for that. Um, we will take communion um, today and remember our Savior Jesus. I'm just so glad that you're here. A warm welcome to everyone who's gathered. If you're here for the first time, a warm welcome. Visiting with us, a warm welcome. Those who are maybe joining us online for the first time, uh, we give you a warm welcome too. And we're just going to stand if you're able to, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to praise the King of Kings. So let's just begin our time together. Father, we just thank you that you are here. Before we even entered into this building today, you were here, Father. Father, We have come to meet with you today. We've come to sing praise to you. We've come to give glory to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And Lord, we just ask that we would experience your presence in this place today. Father, that we would experience your presence. May the Holy Spirit come today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this gathering to come and do what you want to do in this gathering today, to speak, to move, to touch, to comfort, to heal, whatever you want to do today, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would come and move amongst us. Father, we just covet your presence. And so, Lord, we just ask that as we come and praise your name through song today, that you'd come and live in our praise, inhabit the praises of your people today. And may we experience your presence. And Father, in everything that's said and done today, we ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's praise them. The mm-hmm. message in tongues has been given the Bible talks about the gift of tongues that can be either something that happens personally in our own lives as an overflow of worship or it can be a message in tongues which is for the church and the purpose of the tongue is to have an interpretation which is there to encourage and build up the church and I just feel that the interpretation uh, of the tongue today is that there, there is a river that flows from God and um, This is kind of sounding similar to the interpretation uh, before, but there's a river that comes from God, and that river goes through stages. There's that young, youthful, bubbling river where Christianity is new, and we're discovering things, and everything's fresh. There can be an excitement attached to that but the river goes through stages and and the river of God as it flows through our life goes through stages and there can be a settling down of the river and it can almost seem like everything that's happening in the river is under the surface and then eventually that river begins to flow and to to broaden and to deepen and to widen and to look at it, you would think that nothing was happening but underneath there's this powerful current and ultimately the river will flow into the sea where it will be consumed by, by all the different flows and all the different rivers and, and a sense that the river comes to its conclusion at that point in time. And, and God is, is at work in our lives at different stages and to be encouraged that, that no matter which stage you're at, God is still at work whether you're at the youthful bubbly brook stage or somewhere in the middle or that stage at the end where everything is flowing deep and wide, that God is at work in your life and to just continue to get yourself into that place where you can experience the flow of the river of God in your life. And what I mean by that is that the, the, the Bible likens uh, the Holy Spirit to water, like rain that comes down and it forms rivers. And rivers need to have banks in order to channel the flow of the Spirit. And God works through ordinary people. We're like the, we are like our bodies, our minds, our spirits are like the banks of the river that channel the flow of the river. And uh, I, I just feel we need to allow that flow of the river to come. Maybe some people, um, maybe some people have... Put dams in place. There's maybe things in your life where you've just kind of tried to block the flow of the Spirit in your life. Maybe it can be a dam of confusion, a dam of fear, a dam of frustration. And maybe, maybe just over the last couple of years in particular, some people have just felt like there's a dryness in, in your life and that the river isn't flowing. I just want to encourage us to, to open up to the river of God and, and just to, to, to just get into the, the flow of what God wants to say and what God wants to do in your life today, this week, this month, this year in the years that lie ahead to get into the flow of what God wants to do do in your life and just to be totally open, don't put blockages into your life that will stop the flow of the river, one of the blockages and um, I'm just kind of saying this as it comes to me uh, one of the blockages in in our lives that can stop the flow of the the Holy Spirit is is sin in our lives when we've we've got sin in our life, when it's uh, unconfessed when we don't repent of that sin, when we don't recognize that sin before God and it will, all, it will always be a blockage to the river of God flowing in your life. And so if there are things which you need to confess today as we come to take communion in just a minute or two, then just let's take a moment to confess those things before him today. The Bible tells us in relation to taking communion that we need to examine our own hearts. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would examine our hearts today. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, the psalmist says. Search us, search the very deepest parts of us. Father, we ask that you would come and that you would search the riverbed of our heart. And Father, that you'd remove any blockage. Father, that you would show us anything that we need to deal with in our lives that would hinder the flow of the Spirit in our lives, that we might be clear channels for you to work through. Because Father, we live in a world that that needs that needs you, Father, more than ever, we live in a world that needs you. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us to be the vessels that you want us to be so that the life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit might flow through us and touch those around us. Even as we sang about in that song, that you would lead us to those around us. Father, those who are in need, those who have never met Jesus yet. And Father, we pray that you would move us. Move us, Father, that we would be prepared and willing to go and to meet those who don't know Jesus yet. I just wanted, as we focus on communion, to realize that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the one who came to to fulfill the law, to complete the law, to be the one who would bring it to its conclusion. And if we go into Psalm 22, just as an example there are a few things that we read about Jesus. The psalmist was writing, and he was writing um, about Jesus who would come after him, even though he may not have realized. And Psalm 22 verse 1 begins by saying this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Jesus was on that cross, and he cried out those words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can't even begin to imagine the depth of despair and loneliness and pain and grief that Jesus went through on that cross so that our sin could be forgiven. That, anything that causes that blockage of the work of God in our lives, Jesus came to set us free from that sin. He goes on to say that he was scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. And they make mouths at me, they shake their heads. Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of patience surround me. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, I'm poured out like water, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it's melting within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a pot shed and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Verse 17, I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst themselves. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Everything that was said about him came true in that moment in time, the climax of history. Everything that had happened till that point uh, had happened before then had been leading to that point And Father, we thank you that we can look back on that moment through the eyes of history and see the tragedy of the cross, the pain of the cross. But Father, we thank you also that we can look back and we can see that there was a stone that was rolled away because Jesus' death was not able to hold him. It was not able to keep him down. The devil thought that it was his end, that Jesus had come to a finish, but he rose on that third day Father, we thank you that he is seated at your right hand right now. And, Father, that Jesus lives and that he prays for us. Even in this moment, he prays for us. He stands alongside us. Father, he intercedes for us. He knows what to pray for. And when he prays, he prays the right things. And he hits the bullseye when he prays. He prays the right things over our lives. And, Father, we ask, help us today to grasp how much it cost Jesus to get to that place. Father, we thank you that your word says that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He moved through that that cross, through that journey, and he rose on the third day. And Father, we thank you that he has ascended and that he is alive. And Father, as we take bread and wine today, Father, help us to remember that body of Jesus which was broken for us. Help us to remember that blood of Jesus which was shed for us. Father, just as we read in the Old Testament how the blood of an animal would be spilled on the ground as part of the sacrificial system. A picture of what would come in the same way Jesus' blood was spilled upon the ground. The very life blood of Jesus spilled out on the, spilled out on the ground for our sins to be cleansed. That We no longer need to feel guilty. We no longer need to feel less than because we know that we are children of God. And so let's take communion today. Let's get ready to take the bread together. And Father, we just thank you for this bread which reminds us of that body which was broken for us. We can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Father, we don't take that for granted today. Help us never to take it for granted. Father, help us to apprehend and to grasp more and more what it meant for Jesus to endure what he endured on our behalf, that our sin might be forgiven. The perfect sacrifice for not only our sin, but the sin of the world. And so, Father, as we take this bread, we remember that body which is broken. In Jesus' name. and father as we take this wine we pray help us to remember the blood of jesus which was shed for us and father again we ask help us not to take it for granted father that you would help us to really think meditate upon grasp the very depth of what we're we're doing today. And Father, we we recognize that there is healing to be found in the name of Jesus because of what he endured for us. Father, Isaiah said this, by his stripes we are healed. And Father, we ask that we would experience the healing of Jesus. Father, there are people in here today who need to experience healing, bodily healing, emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. Father, there are those in our church who are maybe not in the building today, maybe joining us online, who need that touch from you. Father, people who are feeling very vulnerable just now, and we ask that you bring peace into their lives. Father, that you bring healing into their lives. And Father, as we take this blood, may it be a reminder to us of that completed work of Jesus when he said on that cross, it is finished. Let's just take wine together. Father, we just thank you for the finished work of the cross. The fulfillment of prophecy. The climax of history. And Father, we thank you that you are still in the process of working with human beings to fulfill your purposes. And Father, we would say again, you are our Father. Father, we thank you that you are our Father. Everyone who is here today, everyone who has joined online. Father, as we gather alongside other churches across our nation today. Father, as we join with churches who will worship you maybe already have had their service. Father, we think of those uh, in Eastern Europe who feel such a threat just now. And Father, we ask that they would just experience your presence. Experience your presence in worship. Experience your strength and your fortification, Father. Lord, all that you want to do to build us up and to encourage us and to strengthen us, Father, and to develop character within us. Lord, we pray for brothers and sisters across the world today. And Lord, we ask for your strength for them. We pray particularly for those in the Ukraine, Father. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen your church there. And Lord, that you would be at work in every heart. Lord, we pray for a de-escalation of this violence that's going on. And Father, we pray for peace. We pray for peace to descend upon that nation. And Father, we pray for peace for the oppressors. Lord, we pray for leaders everywhere that you'd give them wisdom. And Father, that you'd give them common sense. And Father, that people would be able to see just the error of their ways and what's going on here. Lord, we pray for those who've been displaced from their homes. And Father, we ask that they would find a place to lay their head in peace and in safety. And Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to consider these things. Lord, as we go about our daily lives, Father, help us to be mindful of others. Lord, as we pray this, we realize there are people in your church who are experiencing persecution right throughout the world. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen your church today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ban, for leading us. Um just love being in god 's presence. I love to worship God through song it 's great to experience the presence of God um as we sing as we lift our praises to him and uh, i I just hope you're just blessed i I feel just really blessed today just being here so I hope you hope you feel the same. Oh, I do need to do this, but hopefully not for much longer uh track and trace my market this is Quite a good solution for knowing who is all where in the room. So there we go, done that, but not forgotten. And uh, I'm just going to make a few announcements, Courtney. If you could just put that wee uh, slide up for me. Um, I will email out about the missions offering. If you have not had the chance to contribute to that, there is still an opportunity uh, to do that either directly or. or Uh, through the church there's little red envelopes up in the back so you can still do that we have already made a transfer uh, into that offering and i'll communicate that via email rather than doing all the public announcement stuff because we are online and uh, we're open to the whole world um tonight we'll have a short time to pray for prodigals and bobby sim will be leading that so looking forward to that um uh, monday morning uh, sorry i forgot i had this thing um, Monday morning at 9.30 we'll be praying on Zoom, uh, Wednesday evening praying at 7.30 on Zoom and just to remind you that this Friday coming in the church in here we will have uh, Clem Ferris with us. Um, some of you will remember Alan Ross being with us last May. Uh, Alan is a prophet, uh, Clem is actually Alan's mentor um, and so this, is, this has all come about through our connections with Alan uh, so I would just encourage you to be here we'll have a time to worship God and then just allow Clem to to bring something of the word of God and you know if, if the spirit moves that way to prophesy into the church to prophesy over individuals um I encourage you to be there to be here sorry not there somewhere else be here on Friday night um and I just pray that we experience the presence of God and then next Sunday it will be vision Sunday I'll be communicating something in my heart for the vision of, of for the church here and maybe just going into a little bit more depth in that than I have done before on other occasions can I also once again put out an appeal we need people to get on board and learn how to do sound we need to people get have people get on board and learn how to operate the camera stuff and the media stuff we need to build up the tech team in the church And if you're able to, willing, interested, you will be trained. Don't think I'm too old to know how all that stuff works. You're not. um, And you're not too young to be involved either. So to the young people and the even younger young people, I'm looking at some in here today, there's an opportunity to do something that's really exciting and developing in the life of the church. So uh, if I can encourage you to get involved in that. Today, I want to consider prophecy in the church i'm realizing that i've got very little time to say all that i want to say but i'm going to try on wednesday night last week i went out for a walk to pray to get my head into the right uh, gear for running the prayer meeting on wednesday night so i went out for a, a walk and i prayed and as i was praying there was an old song that came into my head And it's a song that I sung in the Sunday school at Zion Hall when Ron Hayton was the pastor. Does anybody remember Ron? Not many people. Okay. So that church is now called Gateway Church, and Andrew Smith is the pastor. Does anybody remember Andrew Smith? Okay, okay. So, and the song that I sung in the Sunday school there was, I'm too young to march with the infantry, ride with the cavalry, shoot the artillery, tempted to do all the actions. I'm too young to zoom over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Does anybody remember that song? You need to be old to remember that song. <laughs> and I love that song. I don't, know, I don't know how you think about yourself. I, I think about myself as a Christian soldier. I've been really challenged by what's been going on in our world as I look at that. But, but I think about myself as a spiritual soldier, waging war against a spiritual enemy. And I remember those early days as a kid, singing songs like that. There's a big book in my office that opens out. It's a big, wide, long book called The Bible Panorama Book. I meant to bring it out, but I forgot. And I remember my dad being my Sunday school teacher and taking me through the big picture of the Bible and showing me this macro view of what God was doing in his world. And I remember one of my preparations for entering into the ministry was my induction service. I think I have probably missed a slide. I did miss a slide. That's our Sunday school back in those days. I, I think I counted, there's over 60 kids in in that picture. Can anybody spot yours truly? Yeah? yeah? Well, you've maybe seen this picture before. That little enthusiastic guy there, that was me back then. And uh, one of the things I was saying there is that, part of my journey has been my induction service into the role as assistant pastor here and my dad sorry I don't think I would get emotional when I said this but here I go my dad was one of the speakers that night and he got up and he said I've had one of the most challenging things to do ever as a preacher to share, share a word in 10 minutes and he did that and he really challenged me but he also outlined some of the path and some of the journey that I would walk. He said that I'd be challenged for my faith, challenged for my feet, and challenged for my fatherhood. I've got the message if you want to listen to it. But one of the things that he said and he quoted 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. He says, "This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. I thought I was far enough away from this to say it without getting emotional, but I'm not, obviously. War, a good warfare. You see, at that point in in my life, God had already been speaking prophetically into my life. And this thing, war, a good warfare, was something that was repeated on the 23rd of August 2008 at a pastor's gathering And one of the people who was prophesying over me, John Jack, prayed that very same thing. He prophesied that war, a good warfare. I value prophecy. I value the the word of God coming into the church in that living way. And I feel we all need to develop our spiritual ears so that we can hear from God and It's a discipline that we grow in, learning to listen to God and see and to speak out what he is saying. We all need the words of God. I don't know about you, I value the words of God. When I'm needing direction and I'm praying about direction and God speaks, and that can be often through the Bible, and most times it's confirmed, in fact, almost every occasion it's confirmed through the Bible, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I value God speaking through the prophet, through People just share a word, I feel I have a word for you, and somebody shares something. I value prophecy, and, th- and this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through to 22. In the church, so the church is, sorry, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We are the church. God lives in the church. God speaks through the church. God moves through the church. And we value the role of prophecy in the church. We value, in fact, in need, the input of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. People who have been gifted to the church who are there to help the church to grow and to develop. We need all these gifts. And we grow in that gift. When I was six years old, I began to grow in that gift at six years old. I'm standing here because of what God was doing in my life way back then. We certainly believe that Christ is the cornerstone of the church. And we are building church together. We, the church, are becoming a place where the Holy Spirit can live and work. I'm excited about that. We're a place where the Holy Spirit can come and live, and work. And I want to challenge us today to say that prophecy needs to be received. Ephesians, sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 5, 19, 21 says this, do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. We're encouraged not to despise the words of prophets, and that means not to discount what is said to treat as nothing, to treat with contempt. And we can all rail against what is said sometimes. Maybe maybe it's even possible to despise prophecies by just forgetting about them. We don't treat them importantly enough. And then we're encouraged to test everything and to hold on to what is good, to put to the test, to prove, to examine. And that's one of the things that I do as the pastor of the church. When somebody says something prophetic, it gets transcribed it gets written down we read it we pray about it and we mull over what has been said prophecy needs to be tested there are personal prophetic words when god says something to you perhaps through a prophet perhaps through somebody operating in the gift of prophecy and there are also corporate prophetic words and every prophecy needs to be tested first corinthians chapter 14 verse 29 to 33 says this let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to someone else sitting nearby, let the first person be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. In other words, the the spirit of the prophet is subject, the prophet's in control of what he says and when he says it. Even in giving a message in tongues today. There was a message in tongues. And there's a certain context to this that I was in control of what I said and bringing the interpretation. Not right away. Explained what had happened and then brought the interpretation to the tongue. God leading, but you're in control of what you say. It says, let two or three prophets speak, rather than having so much going on that it's descending into chaos, which is exactly what was happening in Corinth. It was just chaotic. Everybody was really excited about gifts of the Spirit and about prophesying and and giving messages in tongues, and everybody was just kind of like wanting to have a go, and it was just, it was descending into chaos, and nobody could understand what was happening. And so Paul speaks into it, and he brings order into what has been said. And then he goes on to say, let others weigh what is said. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. I don't know about you, I always used to think that that meant that when somebody gives a prophecy in the church, we all as the congregation have a responsibility to weigh what is said. And to some extent that's true. But what is actually being said in this passage is that it's the role of the other prophets to test what is being said. Now I... I I tried to understand this in the original language, and as I was trying to understand the words in in the Greek language, that's the conclusion that I came to. I thought, I've been seeing this wrong. This is what I think this is meaning. And I asked one of my tutors uh, to explain what he felt it meant. I've asked a number of people, actually, to comment on that particular verse. And they all said the same thing. It's the other prophets that need to weigh what has been said. And if we don't have other prophets in the church, the responsibility to weigh what has been said lies upon the shoulders of the local church leadership. And it's a task that we take seriously. You might be given a personal prophetic word, and we need to test that. You need to test, if God gives you a prophetic word, you need to test that word. But also, when it's done in public, we can test that as the leadership of the the church as well. And just to give some quick guidance on how we test prophecy. Prophecy should be consistent with the word of God, and God will never contradict anything that he has said in his word. So if somebody says something prophetically that's totally off the wall, not consistent with the word of God, you go, Sorry, I'm just shutting down my ears. I'm not going to listen to that. It's a load of nonsense, okay? Any prophecy that comes into your life or into the church needs to be consistent with the word of God because God will never contradict his word. The second thing is that prophecy should be consistent with the pre-existing flow of what God is already doing and saying in your life. There's an onus on us to live in God's presence day by day and to be listening to what God is saying, to be journaling, to be writing down and taking notes. This is what I feel God is saying to me. Sometimes we need to speak to others about that and get some wisdom and guidance and perspective. But almost always, when there's been a prophetic word, it's resonated with what God's already saying and doing in my life. I don't know about your experience. When I talked about that word, war of good warfare, So Ray Stokes, John Jacks, uh, and his wife, whose name's just escaped me, apologies, um, they prophesied over me for nine minutes. And one of of the people in that meeting came up and said to me, they were reading your mail. They were 100% accurate in what they were saying, because it was consistent with the flow of what God had already been saying to me, and the prayers which I was praying, seeking for direction on. And I thought I had an inclination of the direction, but the prophetic word came And added weight to that and confirmed that. Thirdly, prophecy should exhort, encourage, comfort, edify, or strengthen. And you can reference those two Bible passages there. Acts 15.32, 1 Corinthians 14.3. If you receive a word from God, it should exhort, encourage, comfort, edify, or strengthen. And the local church leadership also have a responsibility to test Any prophetic words given in the life of the church. Let me give you an example of that. One of the times that Ray Stokes was with us, for those who don't know Ray Stokes, uh, Ray's a prophet who lives in America. He sometimes comes over to the UK and he travels around, and we've had the privilege to uh, have Ray at our church since 2008, prophesying into the life of the church, speaking into the life of the church. Um, And I had taken Ray to another uh, church, to another service. And he began to prophesy over a couple in the church. And I only know this because I know the, I know Ray, I know the leader of the church, and I know the people that were involved in this situation. And, and, and the man was like, I, I'm not getting this. I don't agree with this. And the wife, she was saying, that's 100%. This is right, blah, blah, blah. And, and there was this kind of conflict, as it, as it were, And what unfolded was that she had been hearing some things from God which she hadn't had the chance to share with her husband yet. And what happened was the prophetic word was actually accurate, it was spot on, but it was tested. So it's like, I'm not getting this. But as the conversation happened, it was tested. We need to come to an understanding of what God is saying by testing it. How do we apply this in our lives? Do you know, as a church, we have such a rich deposit of prophetic words over many years now in this church. And we should never take that for granted. I think we are a massively blessed and privileged church to have God speaking through prophets into the life of the church and has been moving us along a path until we come to the fulfillment of what God is saying to us as a church, to use an individual. And I want to encourage us that we move in the direction of the prophecies which God has given us in the life of the church. How do we do that? We need to pray it into being because ultimately if God says it, it's God's will and we need to pray it into being. It's not about us doing things in our own strength and thinking we're the next genius to solve all the world's problems or the church's problems or somebody else's problems. It's us praying it into being because ultimately it's God's will. We need to position ourselves so that it can come into being. Position ourselves. I I could share more things about that from my own experience. We need to get ourselves positioned so that we can experience what God wants to do. We need to plan it into being, and God will guide us in that. We're not asking God to bless our plans. This is our plan, God, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Please bless our plans. It's not that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we listen to God and we get the plan from God and we begin to work towards that plan. And the third, the, sorry, the fourth thing is to practice it into being. We need to become the prophetic word over the church. We need to become what God is saying. And as a church, you know, and you've heard it today, but you know from the past. That I treat prophecy seriously. I also take uh, take false prophecy and false teaching very seriously and I, I have a great respect f- for this platform the first time I preached on this platform different lectern I was 23 years old and that, that really challenged me as I thought about it, and that, that thought has really challenged me as I went back and th- thought when, when how old was I when I first spoke in the church 23 years old and Tom Martin, the pastor at the time, now looking back, I don't know what he was meaning by this, actually. He says, just you stick to the word and you'll be okay. And I'm like, does that mean I didn't stick to the word? Is that What was he meaning by that? Anyway, I took that advice and I tried to stick to the word of God. The, the, the platform is not a place for my personal politics or for power plays. It's not for me to say whatever I like. Um, I, I am accountable to leadership um, in the church and assemblies of God and and, and beyond And so I'm I'm always accountable to what I say. I'm also accountable to the senior leadership in this church, and I'm accountable to the congregation as well. And when it comes to teaching, I tend to take a biblical, historical, and orthodox view on just about everything that is ever said from this platform. My my heart and tendency is to steer the boat down the middle of the river, okay? I don't veer off into what what may be and ifs, buts, and maybes, and, you know, potentially getting things wrong. I I tend to only share what I feel. I'm confident that this is what the Bible is saying. I don't want to hit a sandbank of false teaching and it be harmful to somebody. And so we treat prophecy prophecy seriously. We treat the platform seriously. And the people who are invited to speak on this platform are people that we can trust and what they say. We listen to that and we test that. And I wanted to just go back as as we close things off today and think about the prophetic word that Alan Ross brought to us last year. I'm not going to play it all because I thought we just don't have time to play all that. But this is just some of the highlights of what he said in that prophetic word. He talked about fresh vision. He talked about new thinking. He talked about being a prototype church. He talked about outreach and prophetic expression. He talked about changing your theology, and he talked about missional language. When he talked about being a prototype church, for me, I think that was the most significant thing that he said in that prophecy. And I believe that God wants to do something suddenly and supernaturally in this church and when God does it, by very definition, it is supernatural. When God intervenes in our lives, when God intervenes in a church and does something, then it's supernatural. And I believe that God wants to do something supernatural and suddenly in this church. And I've talked about that and prayed about that and I've shared about that in the church. Something that has been in my heart a lot. And Alan gave us that word last May. And not long after that, in my devotions, I read this. This should be our aim and our prayer, to be a church worthy of imitation, where the gospel rings out not only in our local area, but everywhere. The aim is not empire building, but gospel spreading. Paul does not commend the Thessalonians for the size of their church. We don't know how big it was. Instead, he commends them, you're the message. And as I read that, I thought, this is the voice of God speaking and confirming what he's already said. One of the other things I wanted to highlight from that is that phrase, I'm changing your theology in the process. And I know that that statement created problems for some people and I suspect created problems for others that just haven't said it yet. But I want to suggest that it's not quite as controversial as it sounds. Put simply, theology is the study of God and how we articulate our understanding of who He is. It's not questioning our core belief in the Bible as the inspired Word of God, creation, the Trinity, the doctrine of humanity, sin, the work of Christ on the cross, which we've celebrated in our communion service. It's not questioning salvation, the church, heaven, hell, all these things it's certainly in my mind talking about a growing understanding of who God is and how he works in the church. Let me go back when I made my first commitment to Christ at the age of six. I was too young to march with the infantry, to ride with the cavalry, to shoot the artillery. I was too young to zoom over the enemy, but I was in the Lord's army. And at that point in time, as a wee tiny guy, I had an understanding of God that was able to lead me to make a decision to invite Jesus into my life, to allow him to be Lord of my life, to forgive, ask him to forgive me for my sin and to come into my heart and strengthen me to live the way that he wanted me to do. I had a theology. I had an understanding of who God was, and I was able to articulate to that to, to my friends in primary school. And when one of them said, go and just swear, (laughs) I was able to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian. I don't use language like that. I had a theology. I had an understanding of who God was and is. And God has not changed. God is unchanging. I have changed. And my understanding of God has changed. My theology has changed. Jack Deere, I've quoted him before when we're thinking about, how do you hear from God? Still asking the question, how do you hear from God? I want to hear from God. I want to learn to listen to his voice. And Jack Deere, in his book, Surprised by the Voice of God, wrote about, at one point in time, he would have described himself as a cessationist. Somebody who did not believe in the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit for the church today. That was for the birth of the church, and then at one point in time they stopped. And there's actually no biblical evidence for that. But he would have described himself as a cessationist. And a careful study of the Bible, and coupled with his experiences, he changed his theology. He understood that God speaks and works in a different way, in a way that challenged him, challenged his, his paradigms. He's understanding how he thought about how God, who God is and how he works. And if you're still not convinced, then I urge you to look at the book of Acts, chapter nine, at the life of a man called Paul, who was a Jew of Jews, who knew the scriptures inside out, And who in an instant, his theology was changed when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed his theology. Changed his understanding of who God was. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That was the mantra and still is of Jewish people. God is one. And then Paul realized that God is more than one. He is one, but he exists in three persons, father, son, and Holy Spirit. His theology was changed. If you're still not convinced, go into the next chapter of Acts, chapter 10, and look at the life of Peter, who was a Jew challenged by God to go and meet a man called Cornelius, a Gentile man, and it all happened under the inspiration and working of the Holy Spirit, and his theology was challenged. He had to eat food that was not appropriate for a Jew to eat. He had to go into the house of a Gentile, which a Jew was not allowed to do. Why? Because God's heart is for all people. And his theology was challenged, and it was changed. He, he still struggled with that. Paul gave him a hard time because he was not encompassing of the Gentiles later on. And so when we hear something like that, we go, "What does that mean?" We need to test that. We need to try and understand that. And I think as we learn to work in cooperation with God, with the Holy Spirit, then our understanding of who he is grows and our theology changes and develops. God has not changed. The doctrines of scripture haven't changed, but our understanding of who he is and how he works changes. And lastly, and I'm almost finished, we need to understand how to communicate to an increasingly alien and indifferent culture. Missional language. And not long after, Alan brought this prophetic word into the life of the church. I read this in a book. If translation takes place, translation, missional language, how to communicate the gospel, how to communicate the truths about God into the culture that we live in. And this is what it says, if translation takes place, we intentionally build bridges of cultural understanding, but retain our prophetic voice in the marketplace of ideas. We we live in a world that needs to hear the gospel more than ever. We need, uh, uh, need to tell people the message about Jesus. But well, we need to find a way to express that into today's society. When I was a wee guy, six years old, the world was a different place. In my class at school, we got Bible stories. And the teacher would do a quiz on the Bible story. And she got to the place where she was almost going to stop because the only person sticking her hand up all the time was me. I know, I know, pick me, pick me. I know the answer. But there was an idea of who God was when I was just that wee guy at primary school. Nowadays, that's changing. And we need to find a language, a missional language, where we can communicate to the culture in which we live. Think about Acts uh, chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came and they spoke with other tongues, languages, as the Holy Spirit enabled them. They spoke in the languages of the people groups who were round about them. Why? So that the people gathered could hear the wonders of God in their own language and they could understand. We might use English to communicate, but we need to find a way to communicate who God is and what His purpose is for this world. Because our culture is rapidly drifting away from God, and unless we find a way to speak prophetically, and evangelistically into that culture we will find ourselves in a diminishing faith community that looks more like a social club than the powerhouse that we see in Acts. God needs us to be the church that he has called us to be. We're not a social club, we are the body of Christ given a mission and a mandate to share and to preach the word of God to a world that's rapidly drifting away from him. We have an obligation. We have a responsibility. The question is, will we rise to that challenge? God is speaking into the church. God is speaking into our lives. We need to take what he's saying. We need to pray with it, pray over it, pray it through. We need to, we need to plan it. We need to practice it. I've forgotten my other P. There was four. I'll go back to the notes. But we need, to, we need to activate this in our lives, in our church, because there is a world who does not know Jesus yet. Let's just bow our heads in prayer as we finish off. Maybe there are people in here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. You've never made that invitation to invite God into your life and to ask him to forgive you for your sin and to ask him to help you to live the way that he wants you to That is an opportunity which I'm going to give to every person who's gathered in the room today, to those who are gathered online. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer along with me, then you pray it. And if you mean that, say amen to it and come and tell somebody that you've prayed it. The Bible says that in our hearts we believe and with our mouth we confess. And through doing that, we're saved. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, we thank you for your presence. And Lord, we ask that you would just stir us by your Holy Spirit today. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, pray this little prayer. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on that cross for me, that he rose again, and that he is interested in me, that he prays for me. And I pray that you'd come into my life Forgive me, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the things that are in my life that stop the Holy Spirit from working. Take those blockages away. Holy Spirit, come in and fill me and help me to live the way that you want. And if you've prayed that prayer, tell somebody you've prayed that prayer and ask them to pray with you and just to help you on that journey. Father, we pray over this church Father, as we think about the days that lie ahead, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Father, even the plans which we have could could radically change. We don't know. But Father, we know that we can entrust ourselves to you. And so Father, I just pray your blessing over this congregation today, whether gathered in person or online. Father, for those who are visiting with us today, and Father, we just pray that they have felt and will continue to feel so welcomed in this place. Because Father, it's a place of your spirit, a place of your presence. And Father, we ask that you would lead us out into this week, that you would strengthen us. And Father, we pray that we would experience the healing power of Jesus in our lives, physically for some, emotionally for some, mentally and spiritually. Father, may we experience the healing power that's in Jesus. And Father, we pray over those prophetic words which you've spoken into our lives. And Father, I know you've spoken to many people in this church prophetically through the the, the gift of prophecy, but also through the office of the prophet. And Father, we pray that you would help us to revive those words in our lives. Father, may we go back and read them, pray over them, meditate meditate on them, and and just plan to get ourselves, position ourselves into uh, seeing those things fulfilled. And Lord, that we would put them into practice in our lives. Father, we we pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week. And if you need to chat about anything that was said today, please feel free to do that. Bless you.